2: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
0: Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber.
2: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game day edition. Hornets in the Windy City, ready to take on the Chicago Bulls tonight, hoping to get back on the winning track. Didn't play too badly, against Houston, certainly not offensively, but it did not end up in the win column. We're going to go back to that game just a little bit, kind of on a tangent. We're looking at it from the perspective of It was another back-to-back loss. How significant should back-to-backs play into our mindset when we're thinking about games and the wins and losses? Unfortunately for the Hornets, they are 0-5 in night two of back-to-backs. But how does that compare to some of the other contenders in the Eastern Conference? We'll dig into that. also want to talk Player of the Month. Only one game left in the month of November for the Hornets. It's tonight. Do the Hornets have anyone contending for Eastern Conference Player of the Month? And finally, we'll preview tonight's game against the Chicago Bulls, a showdown of the ball ball brothers LaMelo of course of the Hornets versus Lonzo of Chicago helping me on all these topics he's my producer on the Hornets radio network Rob Longo back with us once again and Rob let's start on the back to back Charlotte has played a lot of them so far they are 0-5 thus far in that situation just as a comparative standpoint the other top teams in the Eastern Conference at this stage none of them have had to play 5 back to backs to this point which is to say the Hornets should have more rest built into their schedule from this point on compared to Some of their other contenders in the Eastern Conference, but what are your thoughts? Generally speaking, on how the Hornets have performed in back to back situations,
1: I think the record that you just referenced kind of indicates how difficult it is to really play in these back to back situations. I mean, a lot of times, especially here so far this season, a lot of this has been road travel on the second night for the Hornets, where, you know, they get done with their first game, they got to get on a plane and go somewhere else to play that second game. So, you know, I think that has a pretty big factor into it as well. Of course, the home and home back to backs are a little bit better because you can at least sleep in your own bed and that sort of thing but it's very difficult to play back-to-backs in the NBA especially when you got another team that you're going up against in the second night that might not be also coming off second night of a back-to-back as well so I mean there's going to be disparities in the schedule that's just how it is a lot of people like to complain about the schedules that the Hornets have had this season or at least the NBA in general especially last season where it felt like we were playing a game every night at least the Hornets I think in the second half of the season last year only had one or two instances where there were two straight days off that's just the way that the schedule worked out because of every thing that was going on with COVID and postponements and that sort of thing. So, you know, that's my little mini rant about back-to-backs and how it's a long way to say it is what it is and you just have to deal with it.
2: On the back half of your argument, I think, you know, the schedule is what it is and it should even out in the end. Everyone has to play the same number of games in the same period of time. So, uh, a team like the Hornets who have not had a lot of rest early in the schedule will have that made up to them late. And also, teams kind of like back-to-backs in a certain sense because there are ways to work the schedule. You You could make it so that no one ever had a back to back, but no one would ever really have practice time. Back to backs free up dates in the calendar later on. Hornets are coming up on one after the game against Milwaukee to wrap up this first leg of this road trip, where they will have multiple days off, and that will provide them some real honest practice time, which is a luxury, quite frankly, in the NBA. The other part of it that I wanted to look at, and I did a real deep dive down a rabbit hole on this one, looking at the other contenders and how their back to backs, you know, shaped up. The Hornets have had three back to backs that have involved travel all of those I think are the most difficult of them because obviously you spend uh, one night in one building have to fly to another in almost every case and play someone else in another that that's just a lot of wear and tear on the body and especially when the other team is not doing the same thing that's hard to overcome the two that did not require travel one was the loss to Cleveland I would say that that's the one that's probably the most winnable game of the back-to-backs that the Hornets let slip away Cleveland's a pretty good team certainly had Evan Mobley at the time of that contest, so that helped them. And even though Cleveland had been on the road for a long time, they did have a day off in Charlotte after losing to Phoenix two days prior so they had a little bit benefit of rest but still that's the one that I think would be the most winnable for the hornets the other one that's kind of a, a non-travel back to back was the Clippers Lakers one and the hornets first overtime there so not an easy back-to-back schedule but keep this in mind of the hornets nine losses this year more than half of them have come in these situations which don't really arise when you get to the postseason so if the hornets are lucky enough to get there that's one thing that you remove from the equation uh the hornets it's if figuring out how to win back-to-backs is their biggest bugaboo all season it's something they at least don't have to worry about quite so much come the most important time of the year
1: and to piggyback off that point as well Sam is you know obviously when you get into the playoffs you're playing the same opponent every time so you know there's a little bit of a strategy or at least an adjustment period in these back-to-backs where yeah you're prepping for one opponent so you could be playing a specific style of basketball I mean you could be playing somebody like I don't know, to throw out some examples, you can be playing somebody like Golden State on the first night of a back-to-back, and then you got to travel to, you know, somewhere like LA and play the Lakers on the second night of a back-to-back. I know that's not what happened this season for the Hornets, but just to use that as an example, those are two teams that have pretty different styles of play. I mean, you have, you know, a Golden State team like Steph Curry that just wants to go out and shoot and get in transition. Then you have a little bit of an older team in the Lakers that, yeah, they like to push the pace sometimes with a guy like Russell Westbrook, but then at the other times, you mean, they're a little bit more of a veteran team, so so they like to slow the ball down in the half court as well. So, I mean, I think that's a little bit of a of a factor in it as well when you look at these back-to-backs is playing two different teams and two different kinds of styles and just trying to prepare for two
2: different opponents in general. The last thing to factor into this is... All right, it's good to come up with the reasoning for why this is difficult. It's difficult on everyone. But how really do the Hornets compare to other contenders in the Eastern Conference? Because you know we can come up with all the reasons we want as to why Charlotte's lost these games. But it doesn't matter if teams like Brooklyn and Chicago are dominating in those situations. So what are they doing? First off, no one in this, in this grouping has played as many back-to-backs as the Hornets have. So again, schedule should favor the Hornets further down the line. Brooklyn, 2-1 in back-to-back situations. Both the ones they won were Hornets home-and-home home situations, which Charlotte has only had one of so far. Miami, they're 2-2 two and two in back-to-back situations. The one that they won that was most impressive was a travel one where they had to go to Memphis. Nothing you can do but tip your cap. That was a great win for uh, Miami there. The other one they won was a home-and-home against the Washington Wizards, who were also on a back to back. So whatever advantage or disadvantage would be applied for it, you'd pretty much put it in Miami's favor because not only did Washington also have a back to back, but they had to travel in for it. Washington, their record on the season, they're two and one in back to backs, similarly, their most impressive win at Dallas, night two of back to back. Nothing you can do but tip your cap. Great win for for the Wizards in that one. The other one they won was versus Atlanta, who also had to travel, but they were also on a back-to-back. So again, negates the rest factor. And finally, the Chicago Bulls, who the Hornets are going to play tonight, they are 3-1 and one in back-to-backs. But as we look a little closer here, their wins... One was that L.A. Clippers, L.A. Lakers kind of somewhat home-and-home, home, at least the non-travel back-to-back, so that's a, a little bit of the benefit. But, hey, Hornets couldn't win in that one. They did force overtime against the Lakers. Chicago actually won the game. They also won a home-and-home home back half of the back-to-back against Indiana. And they won one against Detroit, and Detroit has had a really rough go of it this year. So I'm not going to make any more you know excuses per se. You know Teams have won back-to-back games where the Hornets have not. But as you examine it, can you argue that... those teams have had easier varieties of a back-to-back? Yeah, I think you can.
1: Well, and it all goes back to it, Sam, the point that we've talked about several times is the schedule is going to be much more favorable for the Hornets when the calendar flips to 2022. I mean, they have a five-game homestand in there in the middle of March. They do have to play five games in seven days at the end of March, which is going to be a little rough as well, but they have all of these homestands in the second half of the season. I mean, there's four instances where they have a three-game homestand. There's two instances where they have a four-game homestand. One of those has already been completed, though, and then there's that five-game homestand as well. And there's going to be another instance, too, in pretty much the entire month of February where the Hornets are going to be home. Eight of their nine games from February 4th to February 27th are going to be at home as well. So, you know, I'd rather get these back-to-backs out of the way earlier in the season when the team is hopefully, knock on wood, you know, a little less injury-ridden, which I think we've seen for the most part this season. Knock on wood, like I said, there's not been a ton of major injuries so far. A couple of players have missed some games here and there. But other than that, I'd rather have it done out of the way early in the season when everybody's a little bit more fresher so you can take advantage of all those home games in the second half of the season. When the calendar flips to like February and March, it just seems like the intensity of the NBA just gets ratcheted up a couple more notches if it's even possible to think that way. But I'm just glad that the Hornets are going to be home for most of those games.
2: Hornets do have 10 more back-to-backs. They have more than the average NBA team this year. Uh, NBA average this year was 13 and a half back to half back-to-back. Charlotte's going to end up with 15. Hornets also have the least amount of rest advantage games compared to rest disadvantage games 11 games with a rest advantage 14 where they are at a rest disadvantage look the Hornets just flat out do have more back-to-backs than anyone in the NBA they also have no five games in seven days appearances so it it, it all will even out in the end or, or so you hope but that's just to, to give you an idea the Hornets do have the most back-to-backs in the NBA so far they have not been all that fortuitous for the Hornets, but they have the least number of occurrences of five and seven games. You want to look at someone who's really had a tough schedule in there based off the the beginning of the season breakdown, Cleveland. Same number of back-to-backs as Charlotte, 15, and they have three instances where they have five games in seven days. So uh, everyone's got to play the same 82 in the same general time span, um, but how it's divvied up can have an impact so far. Hornets 0-5 in these back-to-backs. Their next one comes up for their next home game when the Hornets will host the Philadelphia 76ers. It'll be the night after they played at Atlanta in Atlanta to wrap up the road trip that they are currently on we're going to get to the next game on that Chicago a little bit later on coming up next the month of November is winding down do the Hornets have a candidate for player of the month we'll talk about that next here on the Hornets I've cast
0: I could have gotten my hearing aids anywhere but going to a doctor who could find a set that fit my lifestyle was a good idea music sounds as clear now as when I listen to it on cassette tapes Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offers a wide variety of hearing aids. With affordable pricing and credit options, our patients can find hearing care that is right for them. Hear like you once did. Call 704-295-3000 to schedule an appointment. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense.
2: Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC Hornets Hivecast. Brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. The official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Rob? The month of November is winding down. One more game left in it tonight. Hornets will take on the Chicago Bulls, and we'll, of course, have our preview momentarily. But soon after, there will be a Player of the Month release. Do the Hornets have a candidate? That's that's the flat-out question for you. I'll let you go first as the guest. Do the Hornets have a shot at this? And maybe who is your favorite to win Player of the Month for the Eastern Conference?
1: well when I was looking at some of the other performances from some other players around the association this month it's going to be an uphill climb I think the best shot is LaMelo Ball obviously with the way that he's been able to play Hornets currently 8-7 and seven in the month of November he is one of five players to have multiple triple doubles in the month of November the other guys are of course Russell Westbrook, James Harden DeJounte Murray and Nikola Jokic from Denver you know most of those guys are playing in the Western Conference outside of James Harden but the way that Kevin Durant has played this month leading the Nets to a nine and three record in the month he's averaging 29 points per game he's shooting at a 53 42 and 88 clip that's going to be tough to beat. but if anybody is going to be a nominee or at least give Eastern Conference Player of the Month a run for its money it has to be Luella Ball.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you, Rob. I think LaMelo Ball is the best bet for a Hornet to get it. Amongst the the contenders, really, he's one of the closest, if not the closest, to averaging a triple-double. The other one who's close is James Harden of the Brooklyn Nets. He's just a hair off 10 assists per game. He's got eight rebounds per game, and, of course, he's averaging over 20 points per game in the month of November. Giannis Antetokounmpo has two of the categories, points and rebounds, but he's nowhere close on assists. LaMelo Ball for the month of November coming into tonight, just under 20 points per game, just under nine rebounds, and just under nine assists per game. And I think that's what would have had to have happened for him to get the award is he would have had to have averaged a triple-double might be thinking to yourself well hey they got one more game is it possible no it's not he would have to have 30 rebounds and 27 assists by my count to uh, average a triple double for the month so hey if he has a 30 30 30 game then he will win eastern conference player of the month I'll go ahead and and put that one down on tape here record that one for posterity and see if it comes true hopefully I speak it into existence my favorites for player of the month I think that Kevin Durant is the odds-on favorite he's averaging almost 30 points per game Brooklyn has surged to the top of the standings so I give him the edge my second choice would probably be Giannis Antetokounmpo but for both of these guys one thing that could be a knock on them neither of them has played the full allotment of games for their team Over the month of November, that is something that LaMelo Ball has done. So if they end this month with a convincing win over a very good Chicago team and LaMelo Ball performs well, maybe even puts forth a triple-double, I would say that is the best argument. I don't know that it's necessarily a winning one. Again, I think Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo are more favored to win this award for the month of November in the Eastern Conference. But if I was going to make an argument, LaMelo Ball has played in every game this month, he has averaged just shy of a triple double better than anyone else in the NBA in the Eastern Conference I should say and his team's had a winning record in the month of November with him having a direct impact on winning so that would be my argument but do I think he's going to win it this month Uh, I, I think he'll be in the also ran category right now
1: Yeah, I would have to agree with you based on all of what you just said, especially because of the way that the other teams and the other players have played this month, like Kevin Durant and like Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's nothing that LaMelo can't do about that. And that's not a knock on LaMelo. It's just there's been some other great performances by some other players. So, you know, very similar to the... Houston Rockets game the other night the Rockets shot well above what they've been all season and you just tip your cap and you move on and I think it's kind of the same way for LaMelo Ball and you know I think that the way that it shakes out you'll see him on the list of honorable mentions moving forward but other than that I mean there's there's nothing wrong with that obviously you would like to have him be named player of the month but you know you move on and if lamello keeps his pace then we get to talk about the possibility of him being an all-star here in a couple of months so just the the argument just continues to flow from one thing to the next i would say
2: he is certainly making a case for himself he has the fourth most double-doubles in the month of November. Nine guys ahead of him include Clint Capello, who's not really a candidate for this award. He's points rebounds pretty obvious to Sabonis Similarly, team has not had quite as good a record as the Hornets have. And then triple-doubles, LaMelo Ball second only to James Harden. So, uh, Hornets, they'll have a candidate for this month and many, many, many more months moving forward. We'll see. Maybe LaMelo Ball puts forth that 30-30-30 game tonight to seal the deal. So, we will find out if he's able to at least make a run onto the leaderboard there. For player of the month we'll get that announcement in less than a week's time coming up tonight though hornets wrap up the month of november with a matchup against the chicago bulls the first of this season's battle of the ball brothers hornets lamello ball taking on lonzo ball of the bulls we'll break down the matchup for you next here on the hornets hivecast
0: hornets fans it's time to get some new gear the best selection of new and classic hornets apparel is at the hornets fan shop now with new extended hours Stop by Spectrum Center Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. to pick up the latest in jerseys, Jordans, and more. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 with just a click of a button at HornetsFanshop.com. An easy trip on the light rail, you'll be sure to find something for everyone at the Hornets Fan Shop.
2: Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets-Hivecast previewing tonight's matchup with the Chicago Bulls, and this is a big one. Both teams sitting on 13 wins. Both are currently in the top six of the Eastern Conference, so uh, a lot on the line in terms of seeding right now and perhaps later on down the line they could come down to one game separating the Hornets and Bulls for, say, home court advantage in the playoffs if they're competing for the four seed, or maybe avoiding the play-in tournament if they're competing for the sixth seed a lot to be determined between now and the end of the season but suffice it to say this is a big game and of course it's a matchup of two of the biggest stars in the nba the ball brothers Lamelo for your hornets lonzo for chicago rob you're the guest i'll let you go first Uh, what is your your biggest headliner for this matchup is it the Ball brothers squaring off once again, or something else?
1: I'm looking at it with a little bit more depth, I would say. I was one of the skeptics of what Chicago did this offseason. I didn't know how all of these big acquisitions were going to fit together, but DeMar DeRozan has looked really good. Lonzo Ball has looked good, of course, playing along with a guy like Zach Levine. And Alex Caruso has been a really big spark plug for them coming off the bench. And that's what I'm going to zero in on tonight is – The Bulls are a very top-heavy team with a lot of star power in the starting five. Their biggest contributor coming off the bench is Alex Caruso, and yeah, he had 22 points off the bench the other night against Miami in that loss, but I mean, I think the Hornets are a little bit more balanced in that sense, where they might not have the biggest star power right now in the starting five compared to what Chicago has with some of the guys that they have, but... I think that the Hornets would be a more balanced team. So I'm interested to see if the Hornets can keep it even with the starting fives going at it against each other once those rotation players start moving around. If the Hornets can win the bench battle, I think they win the game.
2: Yeah, Rob, I'm also interested in in the star power factor. I'm, I'm with you on Chicago made a lot of flashy moves, bringing in DeMar DeRozan. They'd already made that trade, bringing in Nikola Vucevic. So you know, how will all those parts fit together? The ones that were there did not seem to fit together perfectly, hence Chicago missed the play tournament, let alone the playoffs, in the previous season, but now things are off to a really good start. They're 13-8 to begin the season. Really strong team, and DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are both playing borderline MVP candidate type of seasons, dare I say. Certainly at an all-star level, DeRozan, the month of November, since we were focused on that for player of the month, I'm not sure either of these two guys get in because statistically, Kevin Durant kind of overpowers them. So does Giannis Antetokounmpo. Both those guys had more winning months of November, but it's undeniable how well these two guys have played. DeMar DeRozan averaging 26 points per game. Zach Levine right behind him at 25. They've both been explosive. And then uh, Lonzo Ball has been a consistent contributor as well. So uh, I'm going to be interested to see with this one how all these pieces fit together. But it should be an interesting matchup. I I do think the star power for Chicago is going to have a lot of people favoring the Bulls in this one. But this is the kind of game the Hornets have gotten up for this season. I think back to that win in Brooklyn and the win over the Golden State Warriors. I think the Hornets like it when people discount them a little bit. I don't know that people are going to be discounting Charlotte a lot in this matchup with Chicago, but they like to have that underdog mentality. I think they'll have it coming into this one. Let's go with players to watch and statistic to watch. You can go first. We need a player for each team and a stat to watch for this one. Rob Longo, you go first.
1: Well, I will start with statistics. I'll start with the turnovers. The Bulls had 23 turnovers in Saturday's game against Miami. It only resulted in 21 points for the Heat, but if the Hornets can create some live ball turnovers and get out and run a little bit I think that will certainly help the cause as Charlotte did not really get a chance to run a whole lot in Saturday's game against Houston Houston did a good job stopping the fast break and kind of getting back on defense a little bit so that's the thing I'm going to look
2: at my statistic to watch for this one is actually going to be free throws I think this is going to be a close game the Bulls have been extraordinary shooting from the free throw line Hornets not so much although we did see a big improvement against Houston the other night but I think this game is gonna be a close one and I think you know we gotta see not just Efficiency from the free throw line, but also volume from the free throw line. Hornets did a good job of getting to the stripe in the game the other day against the Houston Rockets. Again, they shot 90% from the line. They did not lose that game because of offense. No way, shape, or form. It was all about how well Houston played. But I think this is going to be another close one. The team's really been working hard on free throws. It's something they drill down at the end of every shoot-around, the end of every practice. Gotta shoot free throws. They're constantly reminded where they sit in the standings in that particular category. Right now, I think they're somewhere around 27 So uh, not necessarily in the cellar, but not far from it. And again, Chicago is one of the leaders. So I think this is one of the games where... If the lesson hasn't been learned, it could get learned here that you have to take the free points where they're available. This is one where I think free throw percentage is going to play a big role. How about a player to watch you can pick first, uh, either the Hornets or the Bulls? Who do you like?
1: Well, I'll go with the Bulls and I'll say, got to keep an eye on Nikola Vukovic. He's just an animal in the paint, especially with Mason Plumlee being out for another night. It's going to be another tall task for P.J. Washington. We saw him not quite struggle with Christian Wood on Saturday, but Christian Wood definitely did have a good game. I think, you know, obviously the more depth you have at center, the better chance you have at Reining in those big elite guys at the five, so another tall task for P.J. Washington. I'll take P.J. Washington with that set on the other side, and we'll call it a matchup
2: of the bigs. All right, so you're going with the two bigs. You go two for one there. I'm going to go with DeMar DeRozan. He is the big pickup who a lot of people kind of poo-pooed the acquisition, not saying he was a bad player, but maybe questioning the fit. He has blown those questions right out of the water. Really has performed at a high level, so I think DeMar DeRozan is the guy to watch. The mark of an an all-star player, is how comfortable the team is with them taking any shot on the floor. A lot of guys kind of fall into the finish at the rim, or fire off a three type of strategy, but if you're really an elite player, you have that mid-range license, leash if you will, to play with, and DeMar DeRozan's one of the best in the NBA today at using the entire floor and being a threat to shoot from any spot on it, so uh, I'm going to go with DeMar DeRozan as our player to watch for that one, and in the same vein, I'm going to go with Gordon Hayward. He's coming off of a really solid game against Houston. He was being efficient, knocking down shots. He has had a good game in the past against Chicago, albeit a team that looked very different than the current one. The Bulls starting lineup the last time Gordon Hayward was healthy and able to go up head-to-head with Chicago. Here was the starting five. It was for the Bulls Laurie Markkinen not with the team Patrick Williams not with the team Daniel Gafford not with the team Colby White not in the starting lineup as far as I know and then Zach Levine who of course is a all-star level player so a lot has changed for the Bulls a little bit's changed for the Hornets too but if Gordon Hayward can continue to contribute those 20-point performances and going back to my stat to watch for the game free throws if he can get to the line with the same kind of frequency that he had against Houston I think that's all good signs for Charlotte in this one.
1: Couldn't agree. More And I think to kind of put a button on this a little bit, this is going to be a really good litmus test for the Hornets. You're coming off a split of a back-to-back against a Rockets team that a lot of people expected the Hornets to beat on the road despite... All of the circumstances. Now you go into a pretty raucous atmosphere in Chicago with a lot of tradition around the Bulls. And, you know, this is a pretty big matchup. Teams are obviously very close in the standings this far into the season. This is the first time you're going to see them. You got swept against them in the all three games last year. I just think this is a really good test for the Hornets early to kind of just see where their footing is in the Eastern Conference.
2: Should be a fun one. We will have the call for you on the Hornets Radio Network tip time set for 8 p.m. in the quarter. Queen City, and if you are listening on our flagship station, Sports Radio FNZ, coverage starts at 7 p.m. back home in Charlotte. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets' Hivecast. Big thank you to our producer and our guest today, Rob Longo, and most of all, to all of you for tuning in. We'll have another edition of the HHC tomorrow. Rob will break down tonight's game against the Bulls and cover all the other hot topics surrounding the Hornets. Till next time, for everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast.
0: Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.